sweet land of liberty, our founding fathers not only pledged, but gave their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to obtain our God-given liberty. Now it's our turn. Liberty can only thrive if it's alive in the hearts of a freedom-loving people. I'm Dan Matthews, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Freedom's Ring. Here's our host and constitutional lawyer and minister, Alan Reinach. Welcome back to Freedom's Ring, my friends. It seems that the current crisis with the coronavirus is really pitting our economic interests against public health. And our guest today, I think, has put his finger on the thumb of a prophetically significant form of idolatry that we all need to be paying very careful attention to. So I want to welcome back to Freedom's Ring uh, my friend and colleague, Professor Nicholas Miller, director of the Andrews University Religious Liberty Institute. Nick, welcome back to Freedom's Ring. Thank you, Alan. It's always good to be with you. So I gather that this whole conflict, as it were, between, you know, what's the balance between how we how we pursue our economic interests in propping up the economy and uh, and the need to social distance for public health, um, there's kind of a wider context, a even a prophetic and eschatological context for uh, the tendency to prioritize money and business over people. Is that right? Yes, yes. This was brought home to me um, in the last two or three months. I have the privilege of going off in January and February and teaching at one of our sister institutions in Puerto Rico, which is a much better place to be at that time of year than Berrien Springs, Michigan. The surfing's better there, too, isn't it? Well, the surfing, the sunshine, (laughs) uh, everything. And so I teach a class down there, and we've been studying the book of Daniel. And we came and did Daniel chapter 5, which uh, many of your listeners will Remember as being Belshazzar's feast, where the nobles of Babylon gather with the king and they drink wine from the golden vessels of the temple. And uh, there is a fearsome hand that appears upon the wall, casting judgment on the king in Babylon. And in fact, Babylon falls to the Medes and the Persians. Um, but the part of the story that interested me and that I've read dozens of times but hadn't focused on is the description of the lords and the king drinking wine. And in Daniel 5, verse 4, it says, They praised the gods of gold and of silver, of brass, of iron, of wood, and of stone. And uh, I focused on that list of materials and said, I wonder what significance this might have. And I did a search and I found elsewhere in the Bible that these same six materials are used both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. In the Old Testament, they were used as materials in the building of Jerusalem's temple. So these were items that were valued and be put to good use in praising and worshiping the God of heaven. But the Babylonians, instead of worshiping the God of heaven, worship the materials themselves, which humans tend to do. Um, But when I turned to the New Testament, I began to see how the modern version of this worshiping of these materials might look, because you can find these same six elements also in the book of Revelation, Revelation 18, 
a chapter that deals with the future and symbolic fall of Babylon. So it's explicitly drawing on Daniel chapter 5 and the images there. And it talks about this great city that has fallen, and the merchants of the earth weep and mourn over her, in verse 11, because no one buys their cargoes anymore. And then it talks about the gold and the silver and the stones and the wood and the iron. But it also goes on with a fairly lengthy list of items, concluding with the selling of slaves and of human souls. And so it really brings to mind the problem of modern-day Babylon isn't that they buy and sell. Every economy in every country has to do that. But that they buy and sell at the expense of humanity. They prioritize things over people. And they use things, and they use the buying and selling of things to hurt people um, in the form of slavery or in other ways. And, of course, in the early modern period to the United States into the mid-19th century, we had literal slavery. Um, we have more slavery today in the form of human trafficking than, than at any other time in human history. I think most people are kind of immune to realizing just how widespread sex trafficking and trafficking in children, you know, trafficking as part of the drug trade really has become. Well, no, that's a very good point. And so, indeed, we still do have a literal kind of slavery today, but it's different from the respect that at least all the civilized nations of the world, it's technically illegal. True. And people do it off the book and the black market. This seems to describe practice which is open and embraced by merchants and, uh, and the nations, if you will. And... Um, our pioneers, even after slavery, you may remember the story when the slaves were freed, they were made sharecroppers. The system of sharecropping took place, and they became not chattel slaves, but wage slaves. You know, they were given loans to buy the land and buy the tools and buy the houses, and soon they owed their masters money and had to work for the masters for the rest of their life and couldn't get out of debt. And it was just a different kind of servitude and slavery. And um, our pioneers, our Adventist pioneers, critiqued the American system based on the prophecies of Revelation, including Revelation 13, the lamb-like beast that speaks as a dragon, and Revelation 18, as American imperialism and colonialism that they saw exhibited in the Spanish-American War in 1898 and 99, and uh, they critiqued our use of racist and religious categories to justify the abuse and even the torture and violation of due process of Filipino and Spanish combatants, uh, as mm -hmm. well as those in Cuba. And Puerto Rico, that was the time that Puerto Rico became part of America. And I have to tell you that this continued colonial exploitation, in my view, continues to some degree. Puerto Rico is a lovely country. And it has beautiful malls and shopping centers. But when you leave the industrial commercial districts and you go to where the people live, it's a third class infrastructure with broken roads and weak electrical systems. And it's clear that commercial corporate interests have been protected at the expense of the common people. So just as exhibited here, we have made choices and decisions that protect and build up corporations at the expense of common people in ways that our pioneers were willing to voice opposition to, but which we today view as economics and politics and of no business of the church. 
because I think that, you know, the takeaway here is this ongoing conflict between human rights and prioritizing the value of the human being, of human dignity, versus the economy and uh, and how our policies are, you know, pro-corporate and, you know, pro-money instead of pro-people. Uh, yeah. And I would challenge, you know, I, look, this show is heard on Christian radio, which um, is, you know, Christians tend to identify themselves as being pro-life. And I would just challenge us to to think more deeply about what it really means to be pro-life, is to be pro-people. Yeah. So we're facing real challenges as we make decisions about restarting our economy versus taking health measures and keeping the pandemic from spreading. And we need to beware lest our commercial impetus and interests be allowed to outweigh the good of public health and of people's lives. You know, without criticizing individuals, there are some prominent people, both in government and religion, who have come right out and said, look, uh, we shouldn't be destroying the country, destroying the economy. It's okay if, uh, if our grandparents die. It's okay if people die, you know, to save the nation. I mean, it's almost like what... Uh, uh, trying to remember the high priest said in, you know, about Jesus that Caiaphas. Uh, in John yeah. chapter 11, Caiaphas said, uh, you know, you fools, don't you realize it's better for one man to die to save the nation? Well, right. I think people are saying the same thing here and saying, you know, so what if a couple million old folks die? Um, we have to keep the economy going. Yeah, right. It's part of our biblical background, the messages in the Bible, in the Old Testament, if you look at the economy there, uh, forgiveness of debts every seven years, the freeing of slaves, the return of the land to the original owners every 49 years. The land wasn't to be worked every seven years. And we find mm -hmm. that these pandemics and these diseases, it's remarkable now that we've had this quarantining, suddenly rivers and canals that have been polluted are clear for the first time in a long time. And our treatment of the land and our treatment of peoples, uh, if we engage in a less exploitative manner, um, we would avoid these backlashes from nature, if you will. And so there's a message in the Bible about a balanced approach to both the environment and the ecosystem as well as to people's lives that should provide a counterbalance to our economies and our, our society's commitment to the gods of gold and silver and, and bronze and iron and, and wood and stone. Well, and when you put it in the biblical context, Nick, it's a form of idolatry, isn't it? Yeah, no, that's right. I mean, and, and it is the form of idolatry that the Bible identifies as being the bane of both nations and of um, superficial religion of the last days, right? This is Babylon, a religious system that has mm -hmm. fallen and has embraced gods of commerce and material goods rather than the true values of the God of the Bible. Well, the true values of, of God's care and concern for every individual. I'm not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, Jesus says. Yes, yes that's right. So it's been an eye-opener 
in terms of seeing the broader implications of our prophetic message, you know, there's a lot of Christians that got together just before the year 2000 and worked on a jubilee project to forgive debts for third world nations. And they had quite a tremendous impact on the nations of the world, uh, enabling almost a billion dollars worth of debts to be forgiven. And uh, there's current work to help Puerto Rico out. Puerto Rico now has $75 billion worth of debt. It's unpayable, essentially. And it's right. weighing on the health care and the educational systems of the people there. And I think we as Christians, see, you can Google Jubilee in Puerto Rico, and there's uh, Christian groups and religious groups that are gathering together to try to bring a greater sense of, of biblical and natural fairness and justice to these situations that have been exploited in the name of commerce. So I invite your listeners well, to find those resources. You know, the passage that you invoke, Revelation 18, which describes the complete and utter collapse of the economic structures, has never seemed more relevant and more within reach. You know, as we're recording, the stock market is off about 30%, more or less, you know, in very, very short order. I think uh, Goldman Sachs is anticipating projecting a 24% decline in American GDP in the second quarter of 2020. Um, you know, this is an unprecedented time we're living in. You know, this show may be, well, the issues we're talking about here will certainly not be obsolete no matter when this program finally airs. But we're out of time. Our guest today, Professor Nicholas Miller, director of the Andrews University Religious Liberty Institute. Thanks for a wonderful discussion about, you know, how we regard the balance between our economic interests and protecting life and public health in this time of crisis. Sure, good to be with you, Alan. As we close, remember, friends, even the coronavirus won't slow down our efforts to protect your religious freedom. We don't just talk about it. We provide legal services to those suffering religious discrimination. So check us out at churchstate.org. This has been Freedom's Friend. I'm your host, Alan Reinach. Until next week, friends, keep freedom ringing.